podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to The Fear of God. It's a whole new year and a whole renewed Fear of God podcast. Find all your favorite foggy paraphernalia, which is actually the best three words strung together ever in the history of the English language, at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Every week here in the fog, we explore what scares us to find what saves us. And by we, I mean me, one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And me, your other host, Reed Lackey. Come in with a little more energy. Don't cut this out. You're going to find one of your hosts, me, Nathan Rouse. And one of your oh, other man. hosts, man, Lackey. someone, oh my gosh, we let's get that, cut that, that hook out. Just, let's get him off just, stage. You want me to oh try it gosh. again? I'll try, I'll try okay. it again. No, try I don't it. read. I want to say welcome. It's typically what I would do here, but yeah. right now, no. I don't know. Oh my gosh. A lot of, a lot of energy doesn't befit the film that we're talking about today. So I decided. Really? Really? <laughs> Where's that? No, no, no. Really? You have to insert a two minute pause in between every sentence that you say. <laughs> 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 this, this episode's gonna be <laughs> yeah ah, that's it that's it this episode's gonna be an that's hour and 20 minutes and I'm just about seven lines of dialogue yeah that's... yeah <laughs> and you've got a but... blue filter for the whole thing who said that it's the demon <laughs> the demon's here and if it's our show the the noises will be more like burps and farts you know like than the kid version that it's the real movie listen listen read this week I don't yes. know who that was coming from the ether. Uh, mm. This week, You'll find not out. only are we jumping back in, jump in, jump out, and introduce yourself to our annual foray into the horror films of the previous year, continuing today with the, is it loved? Is it maligned? Is it great? Is it garbage? Skin of a rink. Okay, we're going to be talking about that today, but also we are joined by Foggy Pals, Brandon Grafius and Leland Merritt. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. So glad to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, hey, it's great to be here. I will be playing with Legos the entire time we're talking. Oh, <laughs> you know, now I'm in. Now I'm my, in. my kids would compel me to make a slight <laughs> correction to what you just said, Leland, because in fact, the plural <laughs> of Lego is Lego. Oh, dear. Is that true? really? I, it is according to lego masters the tv Just show as long as he's not playing with knives it's okay with me mm -hmm. <laughs> sure sure yeah no i do true. see that year's worth of lego pile in the in the back of your screen there um <laughs> you know what days. you know I, because i'm feeling generous here leland you were mentioning you 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 want to give somebody some love on the fear of god today thank you caller uh leland tell us <laughs> who who you're dedicating this song yes. to tonight <laughs> No, I, I do. I feel behooved uh, because ever since I was last on on, on the uh, podcast, I, of course, shared it with all my friends and family and pushed it all over social media. And my cousin Ellis, who's a 
who was a theology major in college and uh, ended up becoming a restaurateur as theology majors do. But that he uh, right. is a huge, huge uh, fan of horror and, of course, theology. And and so he's uh, a huge fan of the show now. So, uh, hi, Ellis. It's good to – I hope you're yes. So What's <laughs> up, Ellis? Ellis, so, yeah, so Ellis. glad. On the restaurant work. And as a person with a major in theater, minor in religion, who now sells windows, I understand. Um, <laughs> Brandon, Leland, now that we got you here, we're going to be oh-so-gracious hosts and – leave you here at least for just a few minutes while reed and i pop into a segment right. exclusively for our patrons yeah great okay um can and, you leave and, the doors and, and windows here please uh, i was about to say i was about to make a joke i was like and the, what's crazy is you're not gonna be able to get out yeah yeah reed and i are gonna be discussing mike flanagan's netflix series the fall of the hash the fall of the house of usha <laughs> the fall of the hash talk. browns is what it's fall, like. fall of the hash browns <laughs> the fall of the hashish <laughs> we will be right back All right. I got your hashish. (laughs) (laughs) So about this movie, man, what a movie it is. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to set the stage. Everybody guys, I'm super excited to talk about this movie. I know we were kind of ragging on some of it that I'm, I'm super excited to talk about this movie. This is a fascinating, fascinating film. So Skinamarink written and directed by one, Mr. Kyle Edward ball. One of the, I think arguably most unique horror films to enter the pantheon in quite some time uh skinnamarink's summary according to imdb very briefly and to the point says two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished that's kind of just a starting place but skinnamarink is very different um i am uh, i'm gonna start with brandon so brandon uh peek behind the curtain when we were kind of discussing with you, you know, gave the slate of 2023 films, you had mentioned a couple of different things, but kind of zoned in for a minute on like, this would be an interesting conversation. And so I'm very eager to hear what your thoughts are around that. Why, why this film? Why were you thinking about yeah. that? Well, I so my experience of watching it was like, I, I think the experience that many people have had is that I was bored shit. Um, (laughs) but then then i also found myself like the next day i couldn't stop thinking about it so even though Mm, i was bored mm. to tears the night before i watched it again the next night Mm, my wife thought i was absolutely crazy because she watched like 10 minutes and thought wait is this what this movie is um i guess that's enough for me and and she she could not believe i was going to watch it again wow and then i find myself continually returning to it continually thinking about it um, and I, I think it's, I, I guess the reason I really wanted to talk about it was because of that, that experience of the, the finding myself continually drawn to it. And because I think it's part of a, a constellation of horror movies we've seen coming out over the last two years that really try to strip away the narrative, um, mm-hmm. and kind of ask us what's left of horror once you've done that. So I'm, I'm sure we'll get to talk about that later on, but 
Yeah, oh, throw I, that out for starters. No, no, no. I'm, I'm I'm glad you shared that. And and this is an episode about Skinamarink, but two other films that re- that that come to mind as well that were I think for both from last year were uh, Ennis Men or Any Men. I forget exactly how to say that. And um, Ennis Main, maybe Ennis Main. That's yeah. it. It's Ennis Main. Yeah. You are right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Outwaters. Both I've I've seen all three. Yeah, all. Oh, yeah, I, and all. Yeah, go ahead. If I can add two more from the year before, um, it mm-hmm. also makes me think of She Dies Tomorrow and maybe yeah. even more so We're All Going to the World's Fair. To me, that's maybe mm-hmm. the closest predecessor of Skin and yep. Rink. To, uh, two other films that I saw. Now, I responded very, po- uh, I'm all over the map because I responded very positively to She Dies Tomorrow. We're all going to the World's Fair. Like, I, I was out like 30 minutes in. I was like, I, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't. And maybe just a mindset, maybe whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, one reason very specifically, Leland, other than just your exciting energy and, and love having you as a conversationalist, is we wanted to include you in this because it is my understanding that you are a big fan of Skinamarink. And uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that, if that's accurate. Absolutely. I, I'm a huge fan of Skinamarink. I've been, you know, accused of uh, being like, oh, you must be being sarcastic when I've responded to people on the internet saying it's one of my favorite. It, it was probably my favorite movie of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I saw Skinnamarink as many people did. I'm, I'm incriminating myself by admitting okay. to this. <laughs> in late November, early December of 2022, uh, when a friend of mine uh, just sent me a, a link on Facebook and said, you should watch this. Mm. And that was it. That's all she said was just, you know, hey, watch this. And I was in the midst of like studying for my comprehensive exams. So I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, sure. One night, you know, I'll, I'll take a break and I'll just put this thing on. And it took me to like this weird Russian website. Um, Always a good sign. And it was just like streaming and you click play and, you know, I put my headphones on, I'm watching on my laptop and here comes Skinner. And <laughs> I thought for sure, oh, my friend sent me a cursed film. Like it yeah. was one of those moments where it's just like, I'm going to get a phone call, you know, saying seven days, this is right. it, this, I'm, I'm done. And <laughs> so I watched this movie and, you know, and like there, I think, you know, I was looking back at my, um, uh, letterbox, you know, my, I wrote two reviews for Skinnering. The first review I wrote, I think I gave it like three and a half stars. And I was like, you know, mm. this movie is kind of brilliant. And I'm the first to tell you, like, I'll watch a bad movie. And, but if it has good cinematography and I'll argue Skinnering has amazing cinematography, mm. mm-hmm. uh, even, even if weird, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'll overlook a lot, but it was, I was like, you know, I like it. I'm really curious to see what the director does next. You know, I thought it was a bit long, you know, and, and everyone says that first. And then I came back the next day. And I think I rewatched the movie on that stinking Russian website. And I was like, I just rewatched this again. I can't stop thinking about this. movie. Yeah. Like it's all I've been thinking about. And it was like, my first reaction was like, Oh, I don't think it's scary. And then like, it was like later that night, I got up and, you know, I had like a one-year-old baby at the time and I'm giving him a bottle in the middle of the night, you know, and it's dark and I'm in this room with just like, you know, some glow off of a street lamp outside. And I swear I see that face in the, in the corner of the oh, room. Man. And it's just like, you know, there are movies that like, you know, it's like, you know, like where evil lurks or hell house LLC it was like, Oh, that was scary. And I know that was scary from the moment I saw it. Skinner make is one of those movies like, Oh, it wasn't scary. And then later you're like, I can't stop thinking about this or I can't stop mm-hmm. seeing that face or. And yeah. so it was like, even when I was writing my comps, there was an example, like I would like finish the first question, you know, if you're comprehensive exams, you know, you're getting like three hours to write three essays, you know, 
and I finished like an essay. And as I was getting ready to start the second one, I was thinking about skin. I mean, it was just one of those things mm-hmm. that, like, and uh, I think so many people have a vitriolic reaction to it is because they can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, <laughs> even those who hate it, it's like, well, I got to go tell people I hate it because it's all I'm thinking about, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. I, I should mention that I think the reason I wanted to watch it again the next night was because of the Twitter exchange that you and I had, Leland, that next day. Right. So anybody mm-hmm. wants fascinating Twitter conversation <laughs> sorry, about I horror movies, you mean follow us. Uh, I believe you mean X. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Twitter at the time. Okay, so fair. Was, yeah, was, fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fair. So, so uh, I'll say this to like, so what Brendan's referring to is, uh, and I think this was how the exchange went, was Skinner, Skinner reminded me of, of why I think it's so scary isn't because of the scares you know it's the like for me it was such a like i think i was talking to my brother about it and i called it a, a repressed fear and that repressed fear is like all of a sudden i was four years old again and i woke up in the middle of the night and i hear the tv on because my dad fell asleep on the couch and i i'm hearing the static from the den and i know i need to get from my room and i need to go down my hallway which has a 90 degree turn and I'm going to see the TV before I see my dad, but I need to know my dad's there. And for the mm, next mm. 45 to 50 seconds, it's going to take me to walk this dark hallway. There's going to be in the back of my mind that thought that what if dad's not there? Man. And then you yeah. get there and dad's not there because dad got up and used the restroom and then went and laid down, but forgot to turn the TV off. So now I got to go back through the hallway and I got to get to my parents' room to make sure they're still there. And it's that just that fear of like, that dread and that like it's like a fear i haven't that powerlessness you know it's like because if you're 35 and you know like uh you're in a, a house with no windows and doors sure it's scary but you're mostly going to be able to f- take care of yourself but if you're four and six you know i think there's that that fear that that skin really gets onto is that fear of like you you're helpless you know <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh so yeah, yeah so i think and i said something that and you might what you up. What you followed that up with was something to because I, I think I responded with something I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, could you just like turn the experimentalism down like from 12 down to eight, maybe? <laughs> and, and your res- response to that was, well, I think if you did that, you'd have just another movie of a demon chasing little kids around the house. And we've all seen yeah. that movie before. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's and I, yeah, it, I, I actually well, not, sorry not to. Uh, no, you're uh, you're fine. You're, you go ahead and then I'll go. But when people like criticize some of the cinematography, it's like, well, what do you want more like shots of just the kids talking? Like, yeah. what would you have? Like, yeah, because I, I think the movie becomes a lot less interesting. So, yeah, so yeah. I will say this uh, without belaboring the point on my uh, I'll, I'll go backwards into my experience of watching the film. Um, I will say this. The only thing that I would if I could, the only thing that I would possibly objectively change about this film is I would possibly shorten its runtime by 15 to 20 minutes. I don't think stylistically I would change a thing about this movie. And I even have some, you know, I I kind of resonate with the boredom, the tedium, some of the things that we've talked about. But when I think about this film and its inventive creative power, I think really the only thing that I would do is make it about 15, 20 minutes shorter. And and honestly, apart from that, I don't think I would change a thing. I wouldn't change the shot, wouldn't change the atmosphere, wouldn't yeah. change its creative approach. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. I just, I'm, I keep wondering in, in the back of my head if there's a way you could do that, but also highlight some of the 
just with with bits of lighting or with with slight reductions in the shadow or something highlight some of the things that when when things do happen they're really terrifying but mm -hmm. i feel like i couldn't even tell that was happening until i read the imd the wikipedia summary <laughs> and rewatched it again and that's a good you know, point. tried to recalibrate yeah. my tv to make sure nothing was wrong with it because like I, I i think there's supposed to be a face here but i so mm -hmm. you know things yeah. like can you I, I I wanted to see that turned up just a just a titch. Yeah, yeah. But I asked myself if you would lose everything if you did that. And I'm, and it, I'm I, not sure. I think you're I think you're onto something though, Brandon. I think it's a fragile I think it's a fragile balance that this really film is. strikes. Because what you risk removing is what we what we've all thus far talked about is the way this film kind of burrows into your imagination. And I think it is that dissonance, that visual dissonance. When we see a, a cinematographer put a, a camera askew, it's just as often likely that we'll be like, oh, that's a cool shot, you know, and, and we'll mm -hmm. note it. With Skinamarink, every single shot, every single shot in this movie conveys to you, is something wrong? And I feel like that's intentional. I feel like the, the angle it is pointed at, the fuzziness or not that exists, I feel like every deliberate, intentional shot is meant to make you in very practical and imaginative senses ask yourself, is something wrong? Like, is like something feels wrong about all of this? And to that end, whatever I would hurl as criticism towards the film, I find that brilliant. I think that's very creatively powerful. And, and I think that's part of why the film for when it does either by anger or by affection captures people's imaginations. I do find it very tedious to watch. The first time I watched it, I was excited as crap to sit down. I'm like, I'm going to turn the lights off. I'm going to I'm going to get in and I'm going to watch this film. And about 20 minutes in, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm like, what is this? And confession time, guys, I don't normally do this. About 45 minutes in, I paused it because I was like, I'm missing something. And so, like, I paused it and read the Wikipedia. <laughs> First viewing, I was like, I'm just I, I got to catch up. Like, what am I missing? I'm paying attention to the movie. What am I missing? So I began to kind of catch the plot a little bit. And then at the end of it, I was like, that was a really cool experiment. And and, and yeah, I, I, I think I liked it a lot. When you invited us, uh, Brandon, to talk about this film going into it, I was like, here's the way I want to watch this movie. And this time around, what I did was I took my laptop and y'all don't know the geography of my house. Uh, it's actually not a house, it's an apartment, but the geography of my apartment, my dining room table is up against one wall. And then the kitchen is all to the back. It's open space to the back and it's open space to the right of me into our living room. So I took that laptop and I sat in pitch dark, but with a lot of open space behind me, around me and sat and watched on a laptop, scared the shit out of me i was sitting there watching that and i was like this is a freaky freaky movie and again i think context is a lot of it i think how you engage it or prepare yourself for it i had a far less invigorating experience watching it on my tv you know from the comfort of my couch um but there was something about to a degree kind of embracing the experiment and be like i'm gonna watch this movie uncomfortably and see if I can catch some of the vibe. And I mean, not for nothing. I, I, I feel like I kind of did. I liked it more this time around. I didn't feel the the run. I still, my, my comment still stands about the runtime, but I didn't feel the runtime as much second time through as I did the first time watching it. And I was a lot more unnerved. I was a lot more scared watching it the second time 
than I was the first time. So that's that's kind of my yeah. uh, background on it. Nathan, you've been been awful quiet there. What's what, what what's you with with old skinny here? Oh, skinny. Well, <laughs> I think in response to your question, I have a question, and my question is for Ellis, and it is, what is it like <laughs> to have such a poser for a cousin? Is my question. <laughs> wow! Wow! I'm totally kidding. Totally okay. kidding. He's a, uh, he's a, a, guest. a point real quick. Um, okay. Off of, before we, and maybe it'll help you. <laughs> is um, so I substantiate felt, so my I, point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I, I um, so I watched it twice on that Russian website, and then like the day after, I got all the articles of you know the director was like. Please don't watch this illegally because it's messing with my. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and there's a whole, and I felt so bad. And so when it finally was, you know, came out on, you know, in movie theaters, I grabbed like four friends and I was like, mm. we're going to go see it. So, you know, sure. I, I convinced them and we all went to the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, in I downtown. was going to ask if anybody had seen it in the theater. I'm yeah. Wow. In downtown LA. And I, I was, and I, you know, was talking to them the entire time. I was like, it's great. It's great. And then I was like, you might hate it, but, and I got to say, like, I felt the runtime a lot more in the Alamo draft house. It's just, there's something really? about watching it on your laptop when you're like, is on a, on an illegal website versus, you know, the Alamo draft house when, you know, the waitress is bringing you nachos and a beer and going, Oh, do you want anything else? You know? Mm-hmm. And it just like, it ruined yep. the kind of vibe <laughs> of, of skin yep. and, yeah. and I, yeah. and I wonder if a lot of people who, you know, um, there, there's something, you know, about how you watch it too, I think is, is, yeah. is in that estate, you know, watching it on shutter when you're like, Oh, it's just another movie on Hulu. I watched it on Hulu once and had advertisements in the middle of it. That's oh awful. my gosh. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Like, oh. It really seems like watching it on a laptop from an illegal Russian website is maybe the ideal way to watch. The ideal way. <laughs> well, oh my my, I guess my question <laughs> yeah. I'm left wondering there is like, is Kevin going around saying, Papa, Papa. And, uh, you know, is the demon like, Dosvidanya, Kaylee, you know? <laughs> Go to him tight. <laughs> no. Where, where's the Russian? That's not Russian. <laughs> I know. It's just whatever. It's all, it's all Greek to me. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so, like so. Evil dead arise. So, I mean, I, I don't have access to this Russian website. I, I affirm the laptop viewing, uh, but I watched it through Shudder. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray because I felt so bad. <laughs> so. There's a really cool steel book for it that I saw. Nathan, you you seen that uh, oh, you're... Uh, you know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Skidamarink right now. I'm just kind of dozing off. Uh, it's intriguing, <laughs> but unsure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ungracious host. Keep going. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, what's the... <laughs> What's the question? Do you um, like this movie? Are you here with us? <laughs> I'm here with have you. you. Have your doors disappeared? Okay. So I've done this for a hot minute here, this fear of God thing. And I like being on the bandwagon. It's fun. You're like, oh, snap. This movie, this is like, this is so scary. It's coming out. Everybody's scared of Skinamarink. My mother was a kindergarten teacher. I know the old Skinamarink song. You know, I'm ready for this. I'm going to sit down and watch this movie. And I turned it on about 30 minutes in. I was like, WTF is the joke on me. What is going on here? And so my first viewing was not a kind one. I think I probably gave it like two and a half or something. I have not re input any data on Letterboxd for it. I will say this and, and I'm happy Reed, if you want us to even kind of punt that at right a bit more towards the end and, and use that as kind of a 
a, a tie off uh, since we're kind of in the thick of bigger stuff related to the the mode of the film, what it is I'm or down with after. That. Because the second go round. So random sidebar here is my wife and I just celebrated uh 20th anniversary, went went to Canada and hiked. I'm if if y'all saw me right now, you would you might think Nathan might be a hiker. Well, I'm here to tell you I'm not. Um, <laughs> but we hiked what was the equivalent, because my wife charted it on her phone, on her little watch thing, uh, of six miles round trip, 70 flights. Okay. In the snow. I'm not making this up. So straight up this, uh, if you go to Lake Louise out in Alberta and, uh, you wind up this mountain to Lake Agnes, it's beautiful. However, it was one of the most strenuous things physically I've done in quite some time. It was the sweatiest and coldest I've ever been at the exact same time. There were moments I thought, I think I'm going to die, but I have to keep going. And about halfway through, you're like, well, I can't turn around. That's a little bit how watching Skinnamarink feels is like once you're in it is you're like, well, I can't turn around. I've got to see this through. And I'm being jokey. And yet at the same time, this this scratches out. And this is a thought that occurred to me a minute ago. This scratches out the idea of art versus entertainment, right? What is artistic is not always inherently going to be presented as an entertainment in the way we traditionally kind of conceive of it. And so this go around when I rewatched it for this conversation though my prickliness towards it early on here's okay i'll frame it this way i could be pretty gracious after the first viewing i did not understand the lelands of the world who saw magic in it and and that i was having uh, having a struggle getting on board with this go around i can respect it a lot more if you're decoupling it from the need to again using this word be entertained i can sort of enter into the project that it's after and why I feel compelled to, based on the way the conversation's flowing, steer towards some thematic ideas is is just that. And and one of you have sort of alluded to a version of this up till now, but you know the off-putting nature of it is kind of the conceit that is kind of the idea to me. And in fact, how I termed it here is this movie is about turning the common into the alien. Right. It, it is taking the utterly familiar and, and rendering you dislocated. And where at least it led me was so, you know, Leland, you've been on before. Brandy, you've been on a couple of times. Like you may have picked up on this, but like I've got three kids. My youngest is seven and, and she's our last. And so I think a lot about that, you know, our, our, our last kid in line here. And I think a lot about paying attention and, and like, man, these, these are, this 15 year old is tough. Uh, a seven year old's fun. Uh, 15 year old can be fun, but this seven year old is more the, the balance tilts more in the fun than, than, than <laughs> the tough. The tough is different. The fun is different on both sides of this. And so I'm just kind of paying more attention and sincerely y'all utterly unrelated to the experience and watching a skin of a rink in the last few weeks, I have thought a lot about that seven year old's vantage point and how I'm, I'm six, two. I don't know her precise height. Let's say it's three foot something, whatever an appropriately developed child of seven is in terms of height. But that thought has come to me a lot of like, what is it like there? What, you know, when, when the world we occupy appropriately, so is scaled for adult humans, what is it like to be on that plane? 
and to observe the world in this way and to have in this case larger humans who who can cuddle with you and horseplay with you and tickle and all this sort of stuff like i've in ways that are, are important and holy i think i've just had that on my heart and spirit a lot lately just this idea and and i'm not going to try to force poignance as in be childlike that's not the sort of lesson i'm trying to impose here as much as it's it's when i can and it's not easy and it's not often but when i can decouple my my to get real deep i guess my consciousness from the normal me and the way i see the world how can that help me or or help me understand or empathize or whatever and so what's really wild about this thought process that's been in in my heart and spirit lately is then watching skin and ring last night i was like holy shit, that is what this is it is now it's it's that canted it's that plus some to your point brandon can we dial back the experimentalism a little bit you know but it but it's that it's saying take what yeah. is scaled for you and remove your comfort familiarity understanding comprehension so, and until it is completely rendered foreign and that to me is is what is powerful about this movie i will utterly agree it it does thin out by the end in ways i wish you know to to me for me personally the first time through i i experienced real dread when uh mom and dad are sitting on the bed like that was real and i was like Oh my God, <laughs> I don't even understand, but I'm so freaked out right now. And then it, it kind of crescendoed there and, and it's kind of thinned out a little bit by the end. And this go around, I started to feel, I was, I was, I was, if I'm being real frank, a little bit ready for it to be done by the end of this, but I do feel like, I do feel like it's a worthwhile endeavor. I do feel like it is, it is, uh, in the ways these things can be. Sometimes it does tilt to the academic and artful more than it does the like accessible and entertaining. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, totally fine, but it, it might make the barrier to entry a little higher sometimes. And, and for yeah. some, I guess, man, if, um, mm, this is, this is, it. I'm, I'm glad we're here. This is, this is fun. I, I don't think it's academic. I, artful maybe i think it's primal i i think well, the sure. way yes, to, yes, yes. i I, yes. I don't think this is i think if you think too much about this film you lose it i think once you are in your head there's a there's a dislodging that happens and and the reason i say some of that observation is not to beat up on your word choice too much but just to say like for me my experience is as i engaged and sort of like i'm just going to embrace the discomfort i'm going to embrace the something's wrong nature of it it accelerated for me like by the end i'm fidgeting in my seats and i had seen the movie before yeah like that was my experience is that the more i was willing to sort of let the the dissonance visually kind of do its work on me the more i was like dang <laughs> and i had and i had only had you know water and soda to drink and <laughs> that was it, I, you know? I think i think our natural inclination when we're watching a movie is to ask what's happening mm -hmm. and 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 that's that's the wrong question for this movie because it it tries to strip away those questions of what's happening i think because of the the reality that narrative conceits are comforts for us we we are are comforted when we know what's going on and when we we then have a sense of where the the plot is going because we've seen so many horror movies that we understand basic plot structures so when you take away that plot structure you've taken away our safety net um and you've you've really taken away yeah all that comfort all you're left with is that 
feeling of discomfort and there's really no way to get out of it because you don't know where this is going. And I think you, you just said something that uh, I got invigorated by in my spirit because I'm sitting here thinking, man, the stories we tell ourselves are how we make sense of the world. So what yes. if we have no story to be in? What, yep. How does that feel? And, and, and there is an, a loose narrative here. I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent sure, the sure. film. But how does it feel when you can't anchor yourself to? Well, this is the rising action, and this is when the bad guys close in, and this and, is when you know. How does that and you, feel? And you you hear all sorts of trauma studies that people who have been through mm -hmm. trauma can't put their experience into a narrative. Yeah, um, and yeah, we we see yeah. that in the like. Th there's a fascinating um, book. I'm going to blank out on on who um, Jansen, um, yeah, yeah, written about the the difference between the the biblical books of Kings and Lamentations, both of which mm. are about the fall of Babylon. But Kings is trying to make sense of it as, as history, mm. whereas Lamentations is almost the Skinnerick version of that experience <laughs> wow. in terms of of not trying of of recognizing that it's chaotic and and that we we oh, can't make yeah. sense of it. Yeah. That's yeah. really compelling. Go ahead, Leland. I, I remember the the day after watching it, I was texting my friend and I was like, I think it's about, uh, it's a metaphor for the foster care system. And as I was like writing out the text message, I was like, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> and it, you know, like that metaphor, it sounds good until it doesn't. And mm -hmm. then it was just <laughs> like, I finally had this realization. I was like, I, I'm trying, it's not doing what I want to do, which is if I can figure out the metaphor or the monster, then I can understand the movie, and therefore I'm no longer afraid of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yep. Uh, yep. and that's just not this movie. And yeah. uh, I, I did read or watch. Uh, I watched the movie twice this week. Once with the commentary on. And oh, I haven't I heard the commentary. Mm. The, yeah, the director's commentary. It's it's fun. It's uh, they're very funny. Uh, the director and his um not what i'm going for when i watch one of the things so you know in the movie they they keep showing legos mm -hmm. um so someone tweeted at him or xed at him um was, <laughs> it, there's this a recurring piece it's the and if you have kids with legos you know this piece it's so, like the orange lego s separator yes so sure. it's not a lego but it's used yeah. to separate yeah. you know and um that was not made until like the 2000s. Oh, wow. And so since someone finally put it out, every time he watches the movie, he's like, there's a damn piece again. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's funny. Up, like, That's awesome. Times. So every time it showed it's, up, they're like, ah, there it is. And it, it is I not. will, I will jump in there. It is definitely because of my kids that I know what piece you're talking about. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Only, and only because of my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With my five-year-old, it like, he keeps putting it in his mouth to separate it. And I was like, we have 10 of these things. <laughs> <laughs> and they did not come around until roughly 2000. Okay. Yeah. There right. is a, um, to, but, to, oh no, you go ahead, Leland. Yeah. Well, so his quote uh, that I found really interesting the one thing I really gleaned from watching the commentary is uh, he said, I wanted it to feel like a kid describing a nightmare that uh, they had. And sometimes when people describe dreams, it's all these weird things that don't make sense. Like mm. there was a chair on the ceiling and then we played with Legos and then there was a Barbie on the ceiling. And so uh, that, that was like the, the one quote that's like it, everything in the movie, especially like, I think the a lot of some of those shots of just like the corners like to me, like how it was shot, it reminded me of like uh, this is going to sound 
snooty, but like German expression. expression. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I was like, so I was like, so oh, with the geometry of like how it was shot was like, oh, it's like the cabinet yeah. of Dr. Caligar. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it was like very dreamlike in a way. And so uh, I found that like quote kind of helpful. It's like he's not trying to make a metaphor, but he's trying to like, this mm-hmm. is all through, and to, to Nathan's point, like the point of view of children. And it's like they're trying to describe a world that they don't really understand. I'm very glad you just shared that quote with us rather than me having to sit through the hour and 40 minutes (laughs) just to get that quote. I had a good time with it. (laughs) But but I could, you know, I, I, yeah. (laughs) I I think that, uh, man, uh, speaking of metaphors, and I, I read. After after watching it the second time, I did look up. I was like, "What what do people say about the movie?" So I looked up a couple, you know, little think pieces here and there. And uh, you know, one thing that I saw made a, a case that when he falls down the stairs at the very beginning of the movie, that everything that follows is basically like his slow death, you know, and and stuff like that. And and what I realized for myself, kind of like everything we're already saying, what I realized for myself after about two or three skims through those think pieces is any version trying to define what is going on cheapens what is happening and that was compelling to me as as just a concept like any ver- I'll, I'll say the sentence again because it just it, it kind of bowled me over when i realized it like yeah anything that would try to define what's going on cheapens what's happening and i feel that we are so locked in to try desperately to make sense to grasp meaning to you know to construct something for ourselves when in point of fact like you know even in all the skinnamarink plot you know the the everything keeps vanishing everything keeps disappearing every way out keeps disappearing and everything that would be normal that would be you know maybe comforting gets turned upside down gets flipped around there is one there is one big thing that I think this was the moment I enjoyed my experience watching it the second time through so much more. But then when it got to the end, the little fuzzy face, and when it gets to the end, fuzzy face, ominous voice says, go to sleep. And then after it does that, the question asks a couple of times, it says, what's your name? And then a beat, a breath, and it's, what's your name? A beat, a breath, and then it all fades away, and in very similar text, we just have the end. And that singular creative choice uh, like ratcheted me up where I was like, okay, I've seen a lot of these now, and this is the one that I think, like, that I would come close to saying I really dig you know I, I don't know how many times I'll watch it but I was like a choice like that getting to the end where everything just kind of landed to that place of like what 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 can I name you what can I call you what can I'll, I'll extend out where my brain is firing off how can I define you what can I uh title you because sometimes we use titles and names and categories as like control you know what can I do to to grasp who you are and what you are. Nope. <laughs> like the Tao that can be held is not the true Tao. No, <laughs> there you go. Yes. In an interesting point I learned from the commentary is the voice of the entity is uh, the director's voice. So, you know, Kyle Edward Ball uh, put through a woman like voice processor and oh, then re put through a male processor. 
Wow. So even the entity doesn't have a gender. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's just cycled through multiple times yeah. over. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it is, it is a fascinating film and um, I, I wouldn't argue with anybody who watched it and said like, I don't get it. It's, <laughs> it was tedious. It was, you know, like I, I wouldn't argue with them. And for me, I think my renewed appreciation came kind of from the way that I decided to engage it and, you know, how I kind of resigned like, okay, no, not gonna. I wrote down a laundry list of that ain't right moments, but I didn't write down a bunch of like, oh, it's this and it's this and it's this. I just let myself feel it. And when I let myself feel it, I had a much better time. That was my, you know, that was my walk away from it. Um, uh, more and more, I, I feel like horror scholars are going towards affect as being the the defining feature of horror, that it's not mm-hmm. about plot structure. It's not about characters or anything like that. It's about what the movie is trying to make you feel. Sure. And in sure. some ways, then a movie like Skinnamarink is a really pure form of that. Let's mm-hmm. strip away all this other stuff and just drill down to nothing but the feeling. Yeah. And um, I think, too, getting back to something you were saying, Nathan, is just I I do think it's very deliberate. One of the things that I saw in the, you know, sort of flash pan of different articles that I was trying to read and everything was uh, one of the things is that, you know, they they do warn. They're like, hey, the whole of this movie, no matter what you think it's about, is children in danger. Like, that's all that's that's all this movie is, is is kids in danger. And um, I think all of the things we're saying about, like, lack of definitions i think it's pretty definitive the 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 kids don't make it like whatever is happening like the 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 kids are not in a good place by the end of the film they are not comforted they are not relieved and 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 that is uh that is distressing but it did again going back to something that you talked about like it did i tried to remember what it was like to not have the the comforts inside my own mind of how the world is supposed to work and how it typically does, because I can get mad at how the world typically works and I can have hope or optimism for how it is supposed to work or ideally supposed to work. But to put myself back in a place where I'm like, I don't, I don't know how any of this works. I just know that thing is coming closer to me. I know I feel scared. I know the thing that is normally supposed to be near me is not near me. And, 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 and I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Um, and I found that I found that intensely powerful this time around. Like it, it really moved me. I felt feelings of distress. I felt feelings of oddly compassion. Um, I felt this this wide array of an emotional spectrum that most films don't do. To, m- most films, like I can enjoy them, but films don't tend to do that to me. Not not put me through all of those kinds of of, of exercises. And um, yeah, that's I, th- I think I think that's pretty laudable. Um, yeah. for myself. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say uh, I I watched um, the Outwaters pretty soon after I watched you know Skinwalker. That film is and, scary. Um, that back half of that film yeah. s- scared me a lot. Yes, yeah. sorry it, to interrupt. The, well, to that point, a lot of people hate that. There, I love the Outwaters. I think it's great. Mm. Um, but what I said, you know, in my review of the Outwaters, and I think it's similar to Skinwalker. And uh, to Brandon's point about affect is uh, is when was the last time a found footage movie made you feel that way, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you were completely engulfed in chaos? And uh, Skinnerick makes you, ideally, or at least it did to me, uh, it made me feel a certain way mm-hmm. in a way that, like, even some of the movies I consider scary, uh, don't make me feel. 
Yeah. So that yeah. made me, it's a uh, skin rink, you know, it might not have like a straightforward narrative, but it's, it's an experience and it's, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's, it's something that it's, it's trying to make you feel something. Um, in preparation for this conversation this week, I watched Skinner Rink, The Outwaters, and Innis Main. Oh, in did you? So that was a lot. We're uh, that <laughs> I can, I can, I can imagine. Um, the so, so what's interesting, this is a conversation about Skinner Rink, but what, yeah, what's really fact, I actually find Innis Main to be one of the more like sort of, I think it's more accessible in general, yeah. just, yeah. just because I feel like it's, um, uh, but. The Outwaters, the first half of the Outwaters, I I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can finish this. Bored, just like super bored. Like yeah. I was like, I, I don't know if I can finish this. When the terror started, I'll tell you the moment that got me. Uh, I, I won't I, I won't describe what's happening on screen because it, it would require too much context. But when the um, person whose eyes we're seeing through is repeatedly, frantically praying. Mm -hmm. And and while he's visually seeing what he's seeing, I was like, oh, my God, like I, I was really even just watching. I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't know. <laughs> like now I don't know how much I could take this. And I've, <laughs> I've, seen, I've watched yeah. a lot, you know, like I'm not trying yeah. to, uh, you know, big ego I, brag or anything. But yeah, the only thing for I, I know we're on Skinner Rink, but just sure. a, a yeah, quick yeah, thought yeah. about <laughs> the Outwaters. And, and I think it's actually really instructive for Skinner Rink is that where the Outwaters kind of kept me kept me from completely entering into it is because I know the genre, because mm. I know found footage. I know that what's going to happen is yet yeah, these people are all going to die and it's going to end with the camera falling on the ground. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. The, the ending of that is the Blair Witch shot. I mean, there's, there's more intestines, but yeah, it's yeah. basically, <laughs> the, basically the Blair Witch. Yes. Um, and, and to me that, that really is that no matter how much, chaos there there is you still have the the structure of the found footage horror movie and yeah. skinner rink it doesn't have that it, it doesn't. doesn't so it many doesn't stationary have. shots so many like yeah. it's just there but it's tilted the wrong way it's yeah. oh yeah. yeah it's uh it's fascinating nathan you are One, awful quiet <laughs> Well, I haven't I haven't seen Outwaters. I hate it in his main. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm feeling I'm feeling out of water. Um, though very very quick uh, asterisk here on in his main. It's so funny. Good good pal, friend of the show, Jackson Harper was up uh performing in my uh christmas production and and he and i wanted something to watch and and it was oscar season and i had these screeners and i, I was like well I, this and his main i saw this on a list for the year <laughs> and uh, i was like and he likes horror stuff and neither of us had seen it oh my god uh that was <laughs> that was so much work where by the I end of it i was like Oh man, I made it. I terrible. love it just for the shining you know. references. Sure, oh, yes. sure. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. I, I felt like a stone being dropped down a well with nothing to re receive it. Um, you know, I, I think for me, on a technical level, with uh, Skinner Rink, Reed, you just referenced the static shots and stuff like this go round, even, even still, in some of the because the lighting is so low, your eyes start playing tricks on you. I'm like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are they moving something there and I'm just barely perceiving it or nothing's moving there and my brain is doing that on me mm -hmm. and playing that mm -hmm. trick on me, you know, and I, I think in, in when it all boils down, I, I am more respecter than fan of Skinner Marink, although, you know, respect has grown, especially on this second go round. But I think for me, and, and it, it steers into the, the, 
more narrative strain the movie does provide is like we I think a lot about our seven years ago now conversation about Scott Snyder's witches uh mm-hmm. graphic novel mm-hmm. and oh, to anyone who's not novel. oh it's so good it's so good and uh well, we, we covered it back in the old day um and I think the dislocation these sort of uh alien-esque quality of skin and is scary enough in, a, in and of itself but I think you know so so it has the effect of of sort of putting me in that childlike vantage point but at the same time like I think in ways I wasn't prepared for this go around. I just got extremely brokenhearted for this thing that's playing out. And, mm-hmm. and what I wrote that that's read the echo from witches is it just says kids trust authoritative voices. This is their beauty and their burden. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it is the, the curse and blessing we, who our parents are, are laden with. And, and so what is so you know the 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 imagery and affect of the visual stylistic work that Skinnerick is doing is powerful and scary. But but even just this this feeling of you know I, it's on my that ain't right. But I'll throw it in here. Like even down to that nine one one call is one of the most harrowing things. Mm. It, know, it's yeah that that was terrible. what really hit me this time around. Terrible, you know, and and yeah. and just that though the presentational quality is of kid with nightmare trying to articulate it the uh, it's almost like you watching kid needing retrieving and and unable to do anything about it it's this it's this warring tension in how you experience you know the film is you know the 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 father in me who tries to be good compassionate and loving uh uh heart is breaking for these children who are, are are utterly uh, at the mercy of this thing ultimately but more than that it's it's this reminder and reinforcement that <laughs> they are given to you and and by god you better do right by this you know because because of the amount of trust they place in you because if in its most direct narrative strain skinnerick is anything it is watching a a malevolent authority groom these children towards their demise and that is yeah. utterly nightmare inducing you know as to 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 the parent watching it to the, the adult the one well the one that broke my heart uh i say literally like i i got a small bit teary uh this this second time through when the entity says to kevin uh i i didn't write it down but fundamentally he says like kaylee asked for mom and dad so i took her mouth away i was like oh my god Bailey didn't do what she was told. She, oh, was told. she said yep. she wanted her mom and dad, so yep. I took her mouth away. I mean, it's that. I mean, that, talk talk about an emotional wallop. I'm yeah. scared. I'm 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 feeling what you're describing there, Nathan. Of the 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 terrorizing aspect of something like that. As that one that moment among many in this second go round yeah. really got to me. Um, For me, the the emotional wallop is when he's on the phone with nine one one, and I can't remember exactly what he says. Is it I? Does he say I cut myself or I hurt yeah, myself? I think he says I hurt myself. I hurt myself, and that's that's like the affirmation. Like like I feel it's like before that kid. we weren't quite sure what mm. exactly happened when the entity told him to stick the knife in his eye, and you yeah. were like, oh yeah, okay, I know what yeah. happened now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the commentary, well, in his scream. And there, that's I mean, that's just 
The scream is, oh my God. Uh, cuts through your heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the commentary at the very beginning, you know, you hear Kevin first talking to, talking to something. You see the like closet door open by itself and then you hear him talking to something. Uh, and then he counts down the three and throws himself downstairs. Um, in the commentary, uh, the original line was, he says, what are you? Uh, you look like a Power Ranger or something like that. Um, <laughs> wow. He changed the line because I didn't quite work. But, you That's know, probably, but like this is the idea of like, this is something that the kid like, because he was like, I wanted it to be like something the kid, what would a kid understand it to be? You know, but yeah. it's something like a kid would trust, right? Something yeah. that like, I see it as a hero and it's telling me to throw myself down the stairs. So of course I'm going to do that because adults are authoritative right. and it looks like something that I connect with being a superhero. It's cool. It's fun. It's for the good of the world. So of course I'm going to throw myself down the stairs and hit my head. And- man, man. And I think, yeah. I think what we're, what we're all kind of scratching at is this film does uh, burden us with looking at what we are so used to seeing in different ways. That's a very broad brush to paint with, but it burdens us with looking at things that we're used to picturing in certain constructs and forces you literally with what it shows visually. Cause there's not enough attention is paid these days to the visual language of film. Every film has a visual language. And in most cases it's very, um, no. Con- <laughs> it's very conventional and it's very um it, it's in support of a narrative that you could describe to someone else um but the visual language of this film is meant to be evocative it's meant to do things and incite things in you right down to like small little interior touches like that pile of legos that is upside down like you're you're looking up like that's the floor you're clearly on the ceiling. Look it up at it. And just 572 days. What does that what does that mean? Like I'm sitting here watching it and I'm, and I'm just like 572 days. But it's it's little touches like that. Um, I forget. Uh, I think it was you, Leland. Uh, apologies to Brandon if it was him. But one of you spoke about like the night, the nightmare, like trying to describe a nightmare kind of thing. Absolutely. And all of these yeah. all of these non sequiturs, these things that don't fit anywhere else but they are here and our efforts to try to our efforts to try to explain them just just uh prove futile and uh yeah it's i i I, um i want us to consider so i'm going to give a breath for for maybe everybody else you know kind of conscious of time we're going to have uh uh, that ain't right segment and we're going to have the fog meter and all that but I do feel like there's a lot of um, emotional resonance that even I didn't quite, I wasn't quite able to articulate about the endangerment of children, the the terror we feel. And it's fascinating to me. I'm not trying to Jesus juke this thing, but it's fascinating to me to think about we we romanticize when Jesus says, you know, enter the kingdom of heaven like a little child. Like we romanticize that idea. We romanticize the innocence of childhood. We romanticize the, you know, just the the beauty of it, the tenderness of it as it as it is. And uh, I think it can be of value to sit for a minute because of the burden we bear to take care of children. I think it could do us some good to think about 
how terrifying the world can very, very quickly become for perspectives that are so youthful. And I think about times where, you know, even when my son was a little older, you know, and if I yelled at him for his own safety, <laughs> what must that have done? What must that experience have been like, you know, if I was like, hey, 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 hey you know, or stop, 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 you know, or uh, if, you know, the the sternness in my voice or something like that. It just puts to mind all of these things. Uh, Nathan, you were describing the burden that we have of the gift that children are to us and the burden we have to treat that gift tenderly and to treat that gift seriously um it's very it's very very compelling um before we were to move into that ain't right does anybody else have anything on a more high-minded thematic vein that hasn't already been mentioned if not we can move into that (laughs) that is a good point that is a really really good point um nathan nathan i'm uh i'm not intentionally like stealing your thunder here but just listen lest we all forget I think you are intentionally doing it, but I am. Listen, <laughs> the world ain't right. The world's askew. It's a slant. Look over there and uh and and listen, lest we forget, uh, we are a horror show. So uh if it's gory, if it's gross, if it causes you a fright, uh it's time to ask what scares you because it's time to say that ain't right. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. I stole your line, so you can go first if you want. It's all good. <laughs> um, I have nine of these things, y'all. I, we don't have to okay. go into all of them. I have nine. <laughs> Reed, I was thinking about this, and and I'm, I've only got myself to blame here. I want us to practice some restraint. I want us to, like, there's four of us. There's probably a dozen things on each of our list, or at least approach, approaching that. Four. Four. One each. One each. <laughs> One each. Okay. okay. One each. Core four. I'm going to... I'm going to need a half hour to whittle this list down. I'm just kidding. No, just let me go last. (laughs) That was kind of long. (laughs) Right. But you get one. You get one. Um, Because we really got it. We got to gamify it. We got to amp it up a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. and once Mm -hmm. one's off the board, maybe you can, maybe you can throw a comment about it, but it's off the board. You don't get it. So thank you in the spirit of that, Reed, for permitting me to go first. Um, I will. Uh, lean on I, I already intentionally threw the 911 call for myself into the main discussion so I won't reference that but the first time I saw this this is the the scene that did the most terror work on me and it still more or less did similar and it is I'm pretty sure it's Kaylee when she goes into the parents bedroom and dad is sitting on the side of the bed and look under the bed is said and then us from the vantage point of kaylee like y'all this was this was the moment that got me i was like i'm like "Mm, mm, i don't know i don't know but that that camera starts to pan real slow down to where the empty dark vast of you know cosmic horror space exists under your parents bed and you're just like waiting you're like oh god oh god oh god oh god well then it slowly pans back up and wtf there's mom oh dad's gone and uh then mom says i need you to close your eyes please i mean that's effed up 
And then Kaylee does it. And then she opens her eyes and mom's gone. That is scary as hell. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> that ain't right. That whole little exchange. God. Woo. None of it. Just, None of it's right. I, I, I love, I love and hate, uh, hate because it's terrifying love because it's such a, a great choice. Uh, talking about the visual language of this is that I think you never see dad's head and only in from behind. Do you ever see mom on the other side of the bed? And just like the choice to just have them immobile static in their body language looking away never it's that it's it's again it's that dislocation because read to your point what is your name what is your name what is your name faces also we use faces as centering for us you Mm -hmm. know if i can if i can comprehend your face i i can comprehend you on Mm. some level and 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 the inability to access that which could be metaphorical for the fuzzy face at the end. Anyway, my that ain't right. I'm going to shut up is the scene in the bedroom. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick. Brandon. Okay. For that ain't right, I'm going to go with the jump scare in the middle of the film when Kaylee is revealed to have no eyes and no mouth. Um, It's clearly a terrifying moment. Um, A haunting, devastating, crushing image. And then I really question... It's so jarring because you've been waiting the whole movie for a jump scare and you finally get one. And, and I, I wonder if I I really struggle with whether it's worth it to have that almost catharsis within that devastating moment. Um, Mm. Jump scares always give us catharsis. They allow us to, to unwind the tension that's been building Um, or whether it, it comes at the expense of, kind of ruining the aesthetic of the movie that's been building up until that point. I'm really, I'm not sure. And Mm. I'm also not sure if it just would have been absolutely too much, nothing happening monotony without that (laughs) jump scare in the middle of the film. So maybe I almost wonder if, if in some ways, even though that moment is so emotionally devastating, it's also a a bit of kindness to the audience. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) It's a fascinating way to put that. Um, Leland, what you got? Well, real quick, uh, it's interesting that uh, Nathan points out that you know uh, we don't get to see the faces. The only face we see in the movie is Kaylee's face, and it has no eyes, no mouth. And yeah. then we get half of Kevin's face, and that's uh, so. And yeah. the blurred face at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, oh, the blurry, yeah, you're right. The blurry, you're right. You're right. shadowy. The yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so. which, which even I mean makes makes your point even more. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so my that ain't right is actually uh, not in Skinner Inc. Um, it's in his uh, short film Heck, which oh, came out the basis for Skinner Inc. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Which is clearly the basis. It's you know, if not a trial, uh, Nathan, if you want an extra thirty minutes to watch, <laughs> um, it's, he's been uh, begging for it the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. so a lot of people are like, oh, I wish Skinner <clears throat> was a short film. Well, there is a short film. It's called Heck <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> Um, but it's pretty much the same premise, except it's one son and he's looking for his mom. And uh, there's a scene in it uh, where he's, you know, frantically looking around the house. Can't find his mom. Uh, there's no windows, no doors. And so what he does is he cleans up his room. And then he says the line, mom, come look. I cleaned up my room. Ugh. And it just broke. <laughs> it breaks my heart. And, uh, yep. Yep. And so 
bring going bringing it back to Skinnerink, the the part that disturbs me. I mean, obviously, the basement scene, the 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 mom and dad's bedroom scene, even the Barbie on the ceiling scene. Those are all terrifying moments. But when I think about Skinnerink, I think about like, uh, you know, like one day, like my wife is out, my son. Yeah, at the time he was like, I just watched Skin Rink, you know, a few weeks earlier. Uh, my son's like three, or, I think he's four. He's watching TV in the living room, and I'm trying to put my one year old son down for a nap. Mm-hmm. And I just like he, my my son, my my uh, one year old Coltrane is like just about at that moment where he's like on the line of like sleeping but not sleeping. But if you move, you know he's going to wake up. And I hear my four year old go into the kitchen grab a chair and like pull up and climb onto the counter and grab some cereal or whatever he was grabbing. And all I could think then was like, what would my son Thelonious do if he was in Skinner, you know? Mm. And it's uh, what the, my thought that ain't right. is like, when I think about Skinner, I think about them playing Legos and watching cartoons for days on end, because mm. what do you do if you're four and six and your yeah. parents aren't around? And you have no idea who's coming. You sit down and you can't freak out. You know, you just you turn on TV and you watch cartoons all day and you watch play of Legos and you just wait. And you're just waiting. And like, there's that conversation in the middle of the movie. You're like, why do you think no one's come? And like the older sister's like, I don't know. And then just, you know, goes back to watching TV, (laughs) you know, and just that, that dread you just feel for those kids of like, They've tried everything to get the, their parents to come, and there's there's just nothing else to do. So what do you do? All we can do is watch TV. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that oh really God. yeah that really scares me thinking about like, especially just my kids in that too. What would my kid do in this situation? He would watch YouTube. <laughs> you know. So it's oh just, yes, mine yeah. too. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. that's exactly watch all day. Minecraft videos all day. Yeah, that's what he would do <laughs> all day long. All day long. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay. Well. Well. A lot in the interior of the episode and just now. Um, thankfully, a lot of mine have been taken off the table. Uh, even just a lot of it we referenced outside of that ain't right segment. Um, but one thing kind of surprising me that has not been directly mentioned yet, at least not that I can remember in the conversation, that uh, is pretty is pretty traumatizing visually and and audibly. Um, t- near the end of the film, uh, when. He's already had the ceiling inversion, so everything's kind of looking up at the ground. Mm-hmm. And now this may have been, I said it wasn't referenced, but this may have been what you were referring to as the basement scene. But he's looking around the corner. There's like a corner and a floor. But for people who have not seen this movie, the floor at this moment, the floor is up. Like it, it, the everything is inverted, so you are on the ceiling, looking up at the floor. The floor is 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 kind of up where the ceiling should be. And as Kevin is crying, blood just begins mm-hmm. to like drench yeah. the the floor, uh, mm-hmm. and it it splatters in this very haphazard way. And that would be disturbing enough because that's almost the most literal that the film has gotten thus far. Um, he's crying and then that's, that's flowing like that, but then it disappears and it happens again. It just like, and when I say it disappears is literally nothing, nothing wipes it away. It just, dis, it just vanishes the same way. Everything else in this house has just been vanishing the pain, the, the, uh, you think of blood as like 
life, you know, like your, you know, your it's it's what your heart pumps, you know, like it's it's how you know something is wrong is oh my god you're bleeding, uh, and it all just goes away, and then it just happens again. Uh, that I mean, unnerved the ever loving crap out of me. If it's not like first time again, I said this earlier. First time watching this film, I was like, okay, res- respect the game, but. I mean, whatever. <laughs> and then, like, I thought about it a little bit later. I, I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. Like, sure, I positioned my environment to experience the film differently, but it freaking worked. Like this, <laughs> this time around, second time around, my seeing the film, uh, it it really got under my skin. Uh, that moment, particularly, I've mentioned several others. We've all mentioned several others, but um, yeah, that one, that one got me. All right, Nathan, there's your four. So or four. There it is. Core, core four. So, that mean, ain't right. Do, yeah. Oh, you do take you want, us out. You, t- you brought us in. Oh, you take oh, us out, I brought it, oh, okay. Yeah. Everything's inverted. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, did you, did you, did you <laughs> squirm? You did, did you, did you wince? Uh, did you squint your eyes real tight? Uh, it's probably because of what we around here have been calling. <laughs> that ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. Oh man! Well, um, this would normally be out of out of that ain't right is normally when we would be uh pivoting to some thematic stuff. But guys, I I gotta tell you before we go to Fogmere, I loved the heck out of our conversation. I was hopeful was that good. we would have um you know the the kind of conversation that we have. But uh, just I'll do it again at the end. But Leland, Brandon, uh, Nathan, thank you guys so much for just because it helped me. It 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 was like a therapy session after some trauma. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were like a jump scare in the middle of the dread for you <laughs> to, to, to release some of the tension. Um, but but yeah, fascinating fascinating film. But I just I loved the heck out of this conversation. I just I really appreciate you guys joining us for it. This was this was really great. And so um, we're going to go to the fog meter. Fog meter is our specific metric uh, of fear and God. It's how we rate these films, not necessarily on their quality, but on their gravity, their heft, what they ask of you as a viewing audience. Um, and we rate those in two metrics, fear and God. Um, so Leland, I'm, I'm going to begin with you and I'm going to ask you to give me both the fear measurement and the God measurement uh, together, two numbers, um, zero to 10. What would you give this on fear and what would you give this on God? Oh boy. Okay. So on fear, uh, I'll, preamble this by saying it, i really do think this is a movie that for, for me it put me in that zone that childhood fear that repressed fear for me and it found that button and it just i mean smacked it you know i found that part of my my hippocampus and just stuck its finger right there yeah. but for me it works if this movie doesn't work for you it really does not work for you you know and it's good point so i mean you get the people who it just doesn't so on fear uh, for me, I want to give it like an eight. Like I want to, okay. mm-hmm. you know, like it's something, you know, it worked for me. I mean, it, I, it scared me. It made me worried about my own children and, and, uh, on an existential level, um, on the God meter, I've been thinking about this, you know, all week trying to think <laughs> what am I going to put on the God meter? <laughs> and I, I thought. I'm going to wait till after the conversation. So I'm all mad that I'm going first to figure out. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll where, tell you what, we can, in, in, <laughs> in, uh, in deference to a guest, I don't mind if we come back around to you as God meter. Like, well, I, I'll, I'll give you a gimme if you want. No, I'll, 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 I'll bite the bullet. I, okay. It's one of those things because I, uh, I, I do want to say, you know, I don't think it's, you know, it's about foster care. So, like, I don't think it, the point is, 
to trying to figure out the metaphor and they're trying to figure out a nice little package of like, oh, this is what this movie's about. But yeah, for people who like resonate with the film, I mean, I this conversation's been great. You know? So <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I don't know. So it's like I'm I'm, I'm going to say six, but I don't right. really know. <laughs> you know, really right. know. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, Brandon, uh, would you do us the honor of your fear and your God measurement? Of course, thank you. For fear, um, we we have acknowledged all the ways that it it ta- taps into our fears as parents, our our subconscious as children, uh, our repressed memories of, of or our repressed fears of childhood. I, I think all of those things are are valuable and are there in the movie. Um, I also think the movie gives you one way out in that it allows you to be bored if you want to be. <laughs> and by being bored, you can remove yourself from all of those experiences huh. of fear. So I yeah. give it a seven because it gives you that escape hatch if <laughs> you want to take it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, mm. in terms of God, the movie is about, if we were to say the movie is about anything, I think it's about disrupting how comfortable we are in the world mm. and disrupting what we think we understand about the world. And I have to say that's divine work. Mm-hmm. Um, God mm-hmm. is all about disrupting how we view things and the the standard way we've come to accept the world, the universe around us. So I'm going to give it an eight for the God meter. Right. All right. Nathan, hit me up. You are fear measurement and your God measurement. Hmm. Brandon, you just gave me a just a truth bomb just went off in my head. <laughs> uh maybe in my spirit um you know as 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 i suppose preamble to and and uh, my my measurements here like i love the way you phrase that 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 you know god is the disruptor i think where i think what would i don't know that i want to see this because i worry you would be able to do it in the way that i think it would be most effective but what what is a what is a construct what is an artistic construct similar to skin rink look like where the disruptor is benevolent mm-hmm. right yeah. and and yeah. because that that to me is what's so harrowing and and utterly terrifying sure. about this is the disruptor has nothing but malevolence in mind yeah uh yeah. And, and and so that's just a really fascinating sort of thought experiment uh, leading me to fear and God. Um, uh, my fear and God metric here on the fear of God. Uh, um, you know, I think I understand it. I think the barrier to entry is a hurdle to fully falling in to its, its best version of, of what it's after, which is going to pull the fear back a tiny bit. My impulse is eight. Uh, like if, if you're in it, I think that's appropriate. I think it does take some work to get in it. It takes some willful work, whether that's the the literal circumstances you choose to watch it in or the mental gymnastics you kind of got to put yourself to to choose to buy in. So from that standpoint, I'm going to, I'm only going to pull back a point and go a seven, because even with okay. some of that work, the, the imagery, the the dislocation is is pretty harrowing. Um you know, read, uh, I, 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 it might have been Evil Dead, Evil Dead on Eyes. You know, wow. So damn funny. <laughs> um, last week, the way you articulated 
the god measure the god measure of what are they after and how well do they achieve what they're after is it, such a a critical definition here and from that standpoint um while i don't think they're after exactly how brandon just articulated that i do think they're after disruption dislocation in service of you know fresh experience uh and yeah. i think they succeed uh in 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 so far as that effort goes with with the notable asterisk of the potential boredom escape hatch um so i i think for me if i'm being honest with what i think the movie is after and not just how its most tedious experience of it might produce the outcome of i think i'm gonna lean on an eight there you know i mean it it, it is clear it is clearly after and chasing and 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 i would say largely succeeds at catching what it's what it's chasing and after yeah when i um thank you all when i when i finished the film I had my fear and my God measurement. And I was like, come on, come on, Reed, like stop for a second. Oh boy. But this conversation, as I, I went into the conversation and when I went into the conversation and listening to the conversation we had, not everybody else's measurement, but listening to the conversation we just had, I was like, yep, yep, yep. All right. So these are without asterisks for fear. Uh, it's 10 for me. This is <laughs> uh, when you catch the wavelength. Uh, I, I, I am not disagreeing that the boredom escape patch is very real that like if you're not on the wavelength you know that, that like it is very very possible to be bored to tears in this movie but if you're not terror is probably a 10 like if you're if you're tapped in to what the film is doing terror is probably a 10 for me it's 10 and i'm giving it a 10 for the god meter and here's yeah. why is because i feel like on practical artistic senses what we've said about you know nathan uh reiterated what is it after and how well is it after it how focused is its vision to that i i don't think you can deny this film is there's no artifice anywhere what they want they put on screen and there's a lot of deliberate intention to it there's nobody if you understand film craft there's nobody who could say they slap dashed this together every single shot is very deliberate it may not work for you that's completely fair but every shot is intentional. They did not throw this together. They didn't just, you know, every decision has a lot of very personal, deep choices to the creatives that were coming after this. Brandon, I was bowled over by your observation. I'm thinking like just my word, just being able to to fathom that. And I'll go one step further. Skin of a Rink is a horror film. It's malevolent. But what if the benevolence appeared as malevolence because we just don't know what in the world is after it. And what if the pain, how many times have, have sermons been fr framed around like, Oh, the pain is for your own good and stuff like that. Just let your mind to go to all the different places mm -hmm. of things like that, the way that they talk about, uh, and, and I'm not getting, you know, I'm not ramping us up into all this intentionally, but the way they talk about, uh, the function that pain and suffering has for us and all this, I mean, your mind could go a whole lot of different places. Yeah. And I think this film, provides a real gift to thoughtful horror audiences to be able to chew on pull apart dissect like uh, we don't have the time but i would love another two hours with you three <laughs> lovely people to talk about the different places your mind could go simply from this singular film so that's why uh 10 for me on that front and that means that uh we give uh skinnamarink a solid eight no decimals it's a solid eight out of ten on the fog meter. Uh, Can I point that that score is 
pulled down by Leland. The Leland, I know. Coming in, most ardent fan. You know, that's <laughs> so so funny. Bad. No, don't feel bad at all. It's, it's probably great. Uh, Ellis is totally let down by you right now, Leland. Rough. I was yeah. trying to be conservative. I, was I know, I know. The pressure Listen, is real. Never yeah. come on here and try to be conservative. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure is so real. Pressure is so real. Um, but no, uh, I mean, we've emphasized it a thousand times. Um, I, I, I really <laughs> loved this conversation so much, you guys. Um, this was good. Thank you so do, much. Do we need to issue an audible to Leland to, you know, reassess his? Do you, you I'm going to do it for you, Leland. Ellis, 14. I got a text from him a few minutes ago. He was like, Nathan, will you please give 14. Leland another chance? Don't make him go first. He's going to get self conscious about his rankings. <laughs> and then skin and then skin a ring. 20 somehow. out of 20. Every exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he lets him go again. Suddenly, skin a is the only 11 out of 10 on the phone. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Um, oh my gosh. But no, sincerely, uh, this was, this was, uh, rewarding for me to, to talk about this. And I, I'm, I'm just so appreciative of all of you for, for bringing a game to the conversation. Um, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, and and if you're curious to see Skinamarink, I mean, content-wise, you're probably fine. Who knows what your psyche will <laughs> will have uh, coming out of it. Um, but uh, next week, we are going to be uh, continuing our parade in the best of 2023 uh, with a film uh, very, very far afield of what Skinamarink offers, but still quite, quite unnerving in its own way. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the film that made a lot of waves this summer. Uh, we're going to be talking about Talk to Me uh, next week, mm. and uh, we will also be, for the patrons, be diving into The Fall of the House of Usher, Episode 5, which is entitled The Telltale Heart, and we will be reading the Edgar Allan Poe short story that accompanies it, The Telltale Heart, one of arguably his most famous uh, short stories. So um, next week, join us for all of that. Leland, thank you so much. Brandon, thank you so much. Nathan, as always, thank you so much. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>